I want to read, please, from the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. If you have a Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And if not, we'll read some verses here clearly. From the Word of God, Genesis chapter 1. And verse 1. In the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And then verse 11, same chapter, verse 11. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And then verse 27. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And then a verse or two at the start of chapter 2, Genesis 2 and verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. We know the Lord will bless. The reading from his word. We are, I suppose, just coming to the end of the first day of a new year, and the threshold of another year has been passed with all its opportunities and responsibilities and all that lies ahead in the will of the Lord for each one of us. On this, the first day of a new year, I wanted to read from the first page of the Bible and bring to us some of the great lessons that we learn in this first page. All that I have read lies within this first leaf of my Bible. And whenever we come to God's book, the Bible, and we start to read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, we're starting to learn things about God that are vital truths for all of us to learn. Vital and relevant to us today, just as they were the first day they were written 
by Moses all those thousands of years ago. And so I want us to learn some of these great truths. And I'm conscious there are younger ones with us. And I'll try and keep the meeting very punctual tonight if you can listen for half an hour or so, little more. And so whenever we come to the first page of the Bible, one of the first great truths I learn is this, that is repeated time and time again in this chapter, that what God does is good. We read here in this chapter, and we didn't read all of the occurrences, but you read throughout this chapter that God does something. And then it says, it was good. And then he does something again, and it said that it was good. And time after time, many, many times in this chapter, God does something, and then it's declared, it was good. And indeed we read in the very last verse of the chapter, it says there, it was very good. And I want to tell you, dear friend, I know this is desperately simple. All that I will say is just on the surface of this page here in the Bible, that what God does is good. And the salvation that God gives is good. All that God does is good. It's very good. And the salvation that we preach and that in the will of God in half an hour has come and gone. The gospel that will be preached again in your hearing. It is a message that is very good. And it's a blessing that is very good. I have been saved. I have enjoyed God's salvation now for 30 years. And I tell you this, it's very good. I remember when I sat like some of these children in meetings. And the last thing I wanted to be was like any of the Christians. I thought if I got saved that my life would just come to a shuddering halt. That all the joy and energy and enthusiasm of life would just evaporate just in a moment. And that life would just be one drudgery and just a dead end. Tell you, the salvation that God gives, the salvation that you need for heaven, that God has declared in his word that we must be born again if we're ever to be in heaven, that that salvation that God gives, the moment a soul puts her trust in him, I want to tell you this, it's good. It's very good. And I'm looking at the faces of many. I can see the odd smile here and there. I'm looking at the faces of many. In fact, there was a brother here told me not so long ago in a little bit of writing, he's been enjoying the Savior for decades, twice as long as I've enjoyed it. And he's proved that salvation is good. And to every young person in this meeting tonight, I commend to you my Savior and the salvation that we preach rather than being the end of your life. If you were to be saved this night, it would just be the beginning of days for you. You would look back to this day as a moment in your life when your life truly began and when you were blessed by God and when you were saved. We have as well, just in connection with this, you know, somebody might think, well, there's a strange chapter to be reading from in the Bible. 
Sure, this chapter is all about creation. Well, you know, God is still in the creation business. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And in this meeting, God could do a work with you in this meeting that would entirely change your outlook on life. Change your destiny in eternity. I'll touch on that in a moment. But change you in this meeting. You know, all through this chapter, it's a chapter that's filled with the power of God. It's a chapter that is filled with life. We didn't read all the verses, but somewhere in the middle of this chapter, we read about God. He said, let the, let the waters of the earth bring forth abundantly. And the waters, the waters of the earth were just teeming with fish. And there was life. It's a chapter as well that's filled because of the, the song of heaven. You know, he made the fowls of the air. You know, I like to hear. I remember when we stood out for the bus, uh, as we did out in the countryside. We lived away in the country. We got the bus to school. We used to, used to stand just at the roadside. I remember every morning. I used, in fact, there's times it almost got under my skin. Uh, the birds. I, I just wasn't looking forward to the day as much as they were. The birds in the, in the trees singing. The song, the song of the birds. It's wonderful. What must it have been in this day? The day of creation when God filled the sky with the multitude of the fowls and the birds. And they sang one to another and in their song. Oh, I tell you, that's what God wants to do with you in this meeting tonight if you're not saved. He wants to give you life. That's what this chapter is filled with. Life with a capital L to enjoy life. Not just, not just staggering through and getting to the close, but a life that you can enjoy. A life with a song in your heart. You know, the psalmist, in the book of the Psalms, he was a man who knew something of the blessing of God, and he says he has put a new song, a fresh song in my mouth. Even praise to our God. Oh, I tell you, what God does is good. And I would love that every young soul, every older friend as well, would be impressed with this truth that the salvation that God offers is good. But not only do I learn that what God does is good, <clears throat> but as well in this chapter, I learn too, for we're learning things about God, that God speaks We read here in verse number three. And God said. 
And then verse number 6 is the same. And God said, verse number 9, verse number 11, and so on. Verse 14, time and time again through this chapter, it's emphasized to us that God is speaking. God said. God is a God who speaks. In fact, I'll tell you the truth. Just when I noticed these few little things for the first time, I was amazed how often we have it in this chapter. And when I read the chapter again, you know what I learned? That God was speaking far more often than I had ever thought. In fact, you read this chapter carefully and you will find that God speaks every day. All these days of creation, every single day we read, or we could have read, we didn't read <coughs> for the sake of time. But every single day of this week, there are those words, and God said. And God speaks. And God still speaks. And God is still speaking. And God is speaking to you. You say, well, I don't hear him. You see, God speaks not, you hear my voice as I speak. It's not an audible voice from heaven I'm speaking of now. But God speaks to men through his word. And every time I am a firm believer that every time this book is opened and read from, I care not how able or otherwise the speaker might be. Every time this book is read from, what is happening? God is speaking. For it is God's unerring, unalterable, infallible, Word. It's all powerful. And God speaks to men through his word. In verses like John 3 and verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Souls learn that ever, if ever they want to be in heaven, they must be born again. What is God doing? God is speaking. You know, any time that you have attended a meeting like this and you've thought, well, uh, where will I be when life is over? That's God speaking. God speaks not only through his word and in meetings like this, he speaks through the various Circumstances of life. He speaks in the salvation of others. I 
How many have heard of the salvation of someone else and have thought, if others can come in for this blessing, then why not me? Why not you? Tell me, just why are you not saved? This blessing is for you. Don't be pushing it off onto someone else in the meeting. This, this great blessing of salvation is available for you and God has it for you and God offers it to you. And souls are spoken to by the salvation of others. They're spoken to in illness and in death. There was a man, Archbishop Leiden, lived many, many years ago. And someone said to him one day, they said, have you heard a sermon today, Archbishop? He said, no, but I saw one. For the funeral procession made its way along the highway. What's happening? God is speaking. You say, but I don't hear. I don't hear anything. You know, just like this chapter, God speaks every day. You know, I have this, I'm inclined to think this. You know, sometimes we talk among ourselves, those of us who are saved, we wonder, and people say, is God, is God speaking? I, I don't worry too much about that. Because I learn from this chapter that God speaks every day. The big issue tonight is not whether God is speaking. The big issue is this whether you're listening. God speaks. Are men listening? And so the third thing that I learned from this chapter, God is not only a God that does things good and a God who speaks. But the third thing in this chapter I learn about God is he's a God who divides. We read here in verse number, verse number four, God divided the light from the darkness. God divides. The light he called day, the darkness he called night. God divides. And God still divides. He makes a difference. And I know this is preached so many, many times. And yet, the truth of it, perhaps, misses us at times that God divides this meeting not by the aisle not by male and female not by old and young 
not by social standing or educational attainment. God divides this meeting between those who are saved and those who are lost. So stark as that. You know, sometimes we talk about the unsaved. God in his book, he speaks about those who are saved and lost. And God divides this meeting. And every soul in this meeting, everyone that fills a place in this hall and in the back room, in the confines of this building, every soul in this meeting tonight fits into one of those two categories. Saved or lost. In which category are you? Are you among the saved? Or are you lost? The Bible speaks about the whole of humanity as two great processions that are making their way to eternity. One group is making their way on a narrow way to heaven. Those who are saved. There's another procession that is on a broad way. The Bible says that leads to destruction. Those are the lost. Which of those two groups are you in? All of us, as we were born, the Bible tells us, was born in the broad way, which leads to destruction. And those who are saved have a moment when they left that way and they started on the narrow way. You know, I've told you here before, and I've already referred to 30 years ago, and hardly believe it's so long, the 12th of August, 1992, at about 8.30 in the evening, my soul was saved. For almost 15 years of my life, I was in that group that was leading to destruction. I was numbered among the lost. But that moment, when I was saved, I was numbered among the saved. You say, what did you, what did you do? Was there anywhere you joined or nowhere I joined? What resolution did you make? I made no resolutions. Was there a card that you signed? No, no card that I signed. What commitment did you make? You know, my mother, my mother told me there recently, she hadn't the upbringing that many of you have had. She told me as a young girl on her bended knee at her bedside, 
She said, I committed my life to the Lord in all sincerity. And I tried as best I could, and as how I knew, I tried to offer to him my life. And I waited to see if something would happen. And she said, nothing happened. I did it in all sincerity, time after time after time, until she heard the gospel preached clearly. And she realized, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And she realized... It was a moment of simple faith in Christ. Tell me, dear friend, in light of a never-ending eternity and before a God who divides this meeting tonight, are you numbered among the saved? Or are you numbered among the lost? Because God not only divides in this meeting and in time and tonight here as we're gathered here, God not only divides now, but God divides in eternity. Some would like to think that we all make our way to eternity and we'll all be swept up at the end of life into one great grouping gathered all into heaven. You know, I met a man one day not far from Bucknath Cemetery. He says, I used to go to, I used to, go to, uh, to funerals there. He says, everybody in the countryside. He says, anybody I knew at all, I went. He says, I don't bother now. I said, tell me, why do, you, why do you not bother? I thought it was a very strange thing to tell me. He said, I'll tell you, he says, I just got fed up. He said, because everybody now that goes through the gates of that cemetery says they're all going to heaven. He said, when I was a boy, there was men stood in that graveyard and they declared being saved or lost. They declared heaven or hell. Now he says, everyone, he says, there's no one, no one going on the way to hell. That's the society we live in. People don't like things too straight or too plain. But listen, dear friend, it's all kindness to you and in love for your soul. The word of God is clear. God divides in eternity. Luke chapter 16 tells me about a man that was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. given a safe passage over to the other side where he was comforted. Tells me of a man too who died. And they lift up his eyes in torment. God divides. He divides in eternity. You may be sitting in this meeting. You say, well, I'm... I don't feel any I'm, any, I'm no different from all the rest. You might be sitting in this meeting, not saved. You have no moment of salvation that I've been speaking of. You could be sitting in this meeting and you could be brushing shoulders with someone who's saved. But I want to tell you this. There's all the world of difference.
and someone who is saved and someone who is lost. God is a God who divides. Three more things I want to tell you of and link them all together in these last few minutes. What God does is good. God speaks every day. And God divides. But the fourth thing in this chapter, we read here in verse number 11, God made the tree. He made the tree. I think it's remarkable that of all the things in creation, not everything in creation is mentioned in this first chapter. It's all covered. But not everything gets an individual mention. Isn't it remarkable that right in the very heart of this chapter, God tells us that he made the tree. And there never would have been a tree standing in this world were it not for the mind of God and the power of God in creation. And in these last few minutes that I have before we leave, I want to tell you another time about the tree at Calvary. There never would have been a tree upon which the Savior hung were it not for the eternal plan of God for guilty men, those of us here tonight in this meeting, far from God and in our sins, God in his matchless grace and in the wonder of his love, he provided the tree at Calvary upon which his son hung. And it was all God's doing. He made the tree. And I want to link three truths with this tree. Not only the tree itself that God provided. But I want to notice as well. And linking it with it in chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2 and 3. That God is not only a God who made the tree. But God is a God who finishes his work. Now that can't be said of everyone. This mighty creation that God enters upon in Genesis chapter 1, we read in chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2 that God finished the work. What God set out to do, he saw it through to the very end and he finished it. I wish that could be said of me. That I see everything through to the end. You know, sometimes we lose heart. What we're doing is taking too long. We leave it. It's too difficult. 
We leave it aside. What we have set out to do and accomplish remains undone. What about the Saviour upon the tree? He finished the work. He saw it through to the very end. The work that God demanded to save your soul. My Saviour on that cross at Calvary, he took it upon himself to accomplish that work that you and I could never accomplish. The Saviour upon that cross, he bare our sins in his own body on the tree. He saw that work through to the very end. I say it reverently. I am thankful that in those hours of suffering on the cross, the Savior never said no. This work is too great. I will turn aside from it. The suffering is greater. Than I ever thought. Oh thank God dear friend. I tell you he finished the work. He saw it through to the very end. He did everything that was required to save your soul and to save my soul. And when that work was finished, that would satisfy God and that would save me. The Savior in mighty victory and in triumph, he cried, it's finished. He saw the work through to the very end. God is a God who finishes the work. The Savior upon the tree, he finished the work. Save our souls. The last thing that I want to mention before we leave. That God is a God who rests. Because we read here in chapter 2 and uh, verse number 3, it says that God rested. Now, when did he rest? When the work was all done, God rested. I wonder just, I want to leave this thought with you and then we'll pray. Uh, and I want you to think about this, those who are not saved. Tell me, in these days of creation, how much of this work that was done did man do? 
how much of it? Well, you say, well, sure, sure, didn't you read? The week, the week was nearly over. The week's over before man was ever made. Before ever there was a man on the scene, the work was done. God did the work. He did it himself. Then he rested. On Calvary's cross, God was working. For the Lord, Jehovah in heaven, hath laid on him Christ on the cross. He laid on him the iniquity of us all. How much of that work did man do? Absolutely none. And when that work was done, God has rested. God has said, that's enough. God's not looking for another sacrifice for our sins. He has rested and he has depended and he is satisfied with what Christ has done on the cross. I'll tell you a secret. So am I. I'm happy with what Christ did on the cross for me. Because he did everything. When he died for my sins. And I have simply rested. I'm not working to be saved. I'm not trying to believe. I'm not trying to cling on to Christ, as a man told me one day. I have simply rested on Christ, and I'm depending on him. What about you? First day of a new year. First page of the Bible, the gospel. For you. The work of Christ on the cross for you. And a rest that's available just now in this meeting. If you'll place your dependence on Christ. The one who has finished the work on the tree. God bless you. Shall we pray? Our Father, we come to thee in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. We bow again to give thee our thanks for the Saviour who came and give thanks to thee that he was wounded for our transgressions, that he was bruised for our iniquities. We pray thy blessing upon every soul who has heard thy word read another time. And we pray for thy blessing upon each one and long that some may make wise choices not only for this year that is before us and for the remainder of their lives but make wise choices for eternity. We commend each need to thee and pray thy blessing upon each one as we give our thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.